Wolfing Down Food Science. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Food for Thought, the podcast. This is our very last episode of this mini-series on alternative protein, and I can't wait to get into it. In the past three episodes, we have talked about the chemistry, microbiology, and engineering that plays a role in the production of alternative proteins. In each of these fields, we talked about new technologies and new research being done to make new alternative protein products. Because of the growth of popularity of the alternative protein industry, we have seen that there is a lot of innovation going on. While the innovation is awesome, it does come with some concerns of health and safety and potential regulations that might need to be enacted over these products. These concerns bring us to the topic of this final episode, and it is management and regulation. The first concern we will talk about is the concept of standard identity. Standard identities help ensure that foods have the characteristics that consumers expect them to have when they purchase them. These standards of identity are set by the FDA to ensure that there is a consistent product being produced on the market. The issue of standard identity comes into play especially in the marketing of alternative-based proteins. Many alternative protein products are marketed as the product that is made by animals. For example, oat milks are marketed as milks and coconut milk is marketed as milk. There's also vegan cheeses and vegan meat products that are marketed under the same name as the traditional animal-based products. As we discussed in an earlier episode, alternative dairy products are at the forefront of the alternative protein industry. Since it is such a developed part of the industry, most of the discussion and concerns over standard of identity have revolved around milk products. The standard identity of milk is defined by the FDA as the lacteal secretion, practically free of colostrum, obtained by the complete milking of one or more healthy cows. Clearly, alternative protein dairy products do not fall under this category, but yet they are being marketed as milks. Additionally, plant-based dairy products often do not have comparable protein or nutritional content as animal-based milk. Because of this discrepancy in nutritional value, the FDA is concerned that consumers will choose to switch from traditional milk products to plant-based dairy products without knowing that they really aren't comparable in nutrition. If consumers are uninformed on the nutritional differences, there is a potential of malnutrition, especially among children, if they are only drinking plant-based dairy products instead of products, milk products from animals. Because of these concerns, there are people that think that these plant-based dairy products should not be able to be marketed as milk since they don't fit the standard identity of milk and do not contain the same nutrients. The FDA is currently doing research on this topic and looking into changing the regulations for how plant-based dairy products can be marketed. In the microbiology episode, we talked a lot about genetically engineered microbes in the use of fermentation. In that episode, we touched a little bit on the fact that these are GMOs and that GMOs are very controversial among consumers and even under regulation of governments. First, we will talk about how GMOs are regulated in the United States. 
1986, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy released a document about genetically modified foods called Coordinated Framework for Regulation of Biotechnology. This document concluded that GMO foods are not fundamentally different from the conventional foods, so there is no reason for specific regulation of genetically modified foods. This conclusion meant that genetically modified foods would be regulated by agencies like the FDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Environmental Protection Agency, just as conventional foods that are grown naturally or obtained from animals. As you can see, the current legislation and regulation of GMOs in the United States is not very strict. Next, we will talk about how the EU regulates GMOs. The EU does strictly regulate genetically modified foods. In the EU, all genetically modified foods must go through pre-market approval and follow labeling guidelines. In the EU, if a food product contains more than 0.9% genetic material, it must be labeled as a genetically modified food. This is not the case in the United States. In 2015, the EU granted member states more individual power over regulating GMOs. They also decided that regulation does not have to be based solely on scientific data about risk to human and environmental health. Instead, states can also consider cultural and economic impacts of the sale of genetically modified foods. Despite the differences in regulation processes in the EU and the U.S., they often analyze the same data and come to the same conclusions, even though the approval of genetically modified foods often happens more quickly in the United States. Now let's talk a little bit more about the health concerns of genetically modified foods from an international perspective. The World Health Organization claims that potential concerns of genetically modified foods include ones about allergenicity, gene transfer, and outcrossing. However, the World Health Organization says that safety of GMOs must be done on a case-by-case basis since they all use different genes inserted in microbes in different ways. The WHO states that so far, no effects on human health have been shown as a result of consumption of GMOs by the general population in states where the, the consumption of GMOs is allowed. Additionally, I will quickly note some information about the regulation and safety of GMOs used in precision fermentation. Most of the foods using precision fermentation have received regulatory approval in the form of GRAS status. This approval means that the ingredients are considered safe by experts. They are approved because they are biologically similar to ingredients already found in nature and used in foods. They are just made differently. Lastly, we will discuss the regulation of lab-grown meat in the U.S. In March of 2019, the Food and Drug Administration, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Food Safety and Inspection Service agreed to jointly regulate foods including cultured cells from livestock. In this regulation, the FDA's role is among cell collecting and cell culturing and conducting pre-market consultations on production processes. The Food Safety and Inspection Services regulation takes part in the oversight occurring during cell harvest stage. The FSIS oversees processing, packaging, and labeling of harvested cellular material. The FDA and the FSIS both oversee the harvesting of live cellular material. 
The regulation by these agencies is primarily focused on ensuring that there is no bacteria, fungi, or viruses in the products of these cell-cultured products. This is the end of our discussion on alternative protein, and I hope that you have learned so much about the pros and cons of the products in this industry. We are seeing massive growth in the industry and are expected to see exponential growth over the next few years, so I'm sure that there will be more innovation and fun things to learn in the coming years. Personally, I am very excited about the prospects of the products that can be made by the alternative protein industry, and I hope that you take time to reflect and do some research for yourself so that you can decide if these are products that you would be interested in. Thank you so much to listening to my mini-series on alternative protein, and I hope that one of you guys is inspired to add a mini-series to the podcast so that we can teach NC State students more about food science and the products that we eat every day. As stated in every other episode, the resources that I've used to make this episode will be available through Professor Luck. Have a great day! If you'd like to find out more about our podcast, Wolfing Down Food Science, please check us out at NCSU's Food Bioprocessing and Nutrition Science website, where you can find our show notes, reference links, and more. You can find out more about NC State, our department, and FS201, the amazing course that has brought us all together, on our website as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to Wolfing Down Food Science wherever you stream your podcasts like Spotify and iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Wolfing Down Food Science. See you next time.